Our text is going to be taken from the reading in the Gospel of Matthew. You may be seated. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we give you thanks on this day for the promise of Christ's return. And Lord, as we await his coming, we pray that you would prepare our hearts and our minds to receive him with joy. Grant us your Holy Spirit to this end today. And may we trust you more faithfully. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to welcome you all to the last three weeks in the church year. These last three weeks in the church year prepare us for Advent. Advent will be coming in uh, December when we prepare for the birth of Christ. But the last weeks in the church calendar uh, prepare us for the second coming. And so we are going to spend the next three weeks talking about the return of Christ and the day of judgment. All right, judgment. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Get used to that question. This is going to be a lot of fun. Or is it the next three weeks? I, I think that there is something about the second coming of Christ that fills us with a great deal of anxiety. Like as Christians, we really get worried as we think about Christ's return. And so often when we have concerns or worries in our faith, we turn to the scriptures for help. But as we come to our readings from the text this morning, it only seems that they tend to make matters a little bit worse, that is to say, for our anxiety. What are some scary readings we heard today? I mean, think about it. That, that last, or the second reading we heard from Thessalonians, now that one gave us comfort. That was a wonderful passage. And that's a passage we cling to because in that passage in 1 Thessalonians, we hear this promise. And this is a promise that you must understand before we go any further. This is a promise that was made to you in your baptism. Because, as we said in the children's message, because Jesus died for your sins, because he rose again from the grave, and because he has baptized you you are forgiven and eternal life is prepared for you. And you have been prepared for eternal life. And so we're awaiting the return of the Lord. And when he comes, we have this wonderful promise given to us that Paul says here, we will be forever with the Lord. We cling to that promise. We hold to that promise. We desire that day when Christ will come and we will be with him forever. We look forward to that with a great deal of joy. But as we look forward to that, as we desire that day, we then come across the reading from the book of Amos this morning. Maybe one of the scariest texts in all of Scripture. Where Amos says this, Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Oh no. <laughs> Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light. As if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him or went into the house and, learned, and leaned his hand against the wall, and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light? Gloom with no brightness in it? And we're like, uh, oh, I, oh no. What? I desire the day of the Lord. I wait for the day of the Lord. And now Amos says, woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Should I be frightened? Is this something I have to be afraid of? Is that a word for me or is the promise for me? Is it the law for me or the gospel for me? And we start to get anxiety over this. So we turn to the Lord in prayer at times like this. And this is always what we do when, we, when we're frightened by something. We go to the Word and we turn to the Lord in prayer. And we cry out for mercy. We pray for help. 
By the way, that's what should happen, and that's evidence that the Holy Spirit is working upon us. But also today, we find that as we pray, Lord, have mercy, Jesus does, and he does give us guidance and, and, and uh, direction in how we are to think about preparing for his return. And over the next three weeks, Jesus is going to give us a series of parables, three parables, that will talk to us about how one is prepared for the return of Christ, and maybe more to the point, how one should not prepare for the return of Christ. And as he gives us these parables, he's going to talk a lot about judgment. He's going to compare and contrast those who will be found righteous upon his return and also those who will be found dead in their sins. And with these parables, Jesus will do what he always does. He will give us warning, and he will give us promises. He will give us law, and he will give us gospel. All of this intending to drive us to repent and believe. This is the way the Lord always works with his word. So I thought it would be interesting, given that we're looking at three parables. The parable this week we'll look at is the parable of the five wise and the five foolish virgins. Next week we'll talk about uh, the parable of the talents. And then the last week, it's not so much a parable, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. So there's your preview. Uh, but the story of uh, the sheep and the goats and the separation on the day of judgment. And what we'll see in these parables is the way in which Jesus is preparing us for his return. Now, of course, parables are not true stories as such. He's not giving us a record of something that actually happened in history. But the parables do serve to tell us a little bit about how God's kingdom comes to us, and they do serve to show us how we are to conduct ourselves inside of this kingdom, as members of this kingdom. And if you want to learn more about this, we're going to talk about all of this in Bible study today. This is a great week, by the way, to get plugged into Bible study and, and learn a little bit more about all of these things. But I thought it would be interesting for us, over the course of the next three weeks, to kind of dive into these parables a little bit and see what it would be like to be one of the characters in the parable. What if we were able to interview or hear from the characters inside of the parable? What would they say about what they were going through? What would they say about the preparations they were making? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to call our series here, Stories from the End. And we're going to hear, uh, do something a little bit different here. We're going to hear from different persons, uh, people, I should say, in the parable. This week, we're going to hear from one of the ladies one of these virgins who is preparing for the second coming of Christ, preparing for the return of the bridegroom. We're going to read uh, from her journal what she is writing as she is preparing for Christ to come back. And, and maybe this will give us some insight on how we should or, or should not prepare for the return of the Lord. So here is what the journal, artic, uh, the journal entry said. Well, journal, I've finally come back. From a wonderful day with the nine ladies. Boy, do I love our time together. We think of ourselves as sort of a club. A club in waiting. We get together almost every single Sunday to talk about the return of the bridegroom because that is pretty important stuff. But you know, I'm always there for those ladies to remind them that we don't just want to talk about the bridegroom and his return. We need to focus in on our preparation. We need to talk about what we're doing. We need to get busy thinking about how we are going to prepare this place for his arrival. How will we decorate? What's the playlist for the DJ at the dancing? What will we wear? Will he be pleased with us? There's just so much to do to get ready for his return. So we meet to plan how to be ready. 
Now, there are some of us who are taking this more seriously than others. We are a very tight-knit group, but there are some of us who seem to be far too distracted by the world around us. Around us, Five ladies specifically in this group. Uh, but I'm working on them, and I've got time. They'll come around. Some of those girls, they just get so caught up in their work outside of our gathering that I don't think they're taking things seriously at all. They're always focused on things like sports with their families or their job, and they spend far too much time with their friends and neighbors outside of our gathering. They seem to enjoy some of the things in this world a little too much, you know, like movies and the rock and roll music. We talk to them about this, and we try and convince them to repent and focus far more on our life together in this group. And whenever we call them to repent, they do. And they seem so sincere and so repentant. They say they are waiting for the bridegroom's return, and they pray for that return. And they pray for those who aren't ready, sometimes with tears. But I wonder, are those tears real? They come to our weekly gathering to eat our bread and drink our wine, but then they always seem to fall back into their old habits. And that's why I wonder if they're taking any of this seriously. I wonder if they're truly committed. Are they truly ready? There are five others of us who really are far more committed, and to be honest with you, there was a time when I recognized what was going on with those other ladies because I was like them. I'm not, I was not as prepared as I am now. I indulged my flesh. I pursued sin at every turn. I lived like the bridegroom wasn't coming back. I had my fun in my youth, but you know, I grew out of that phase. I matured. Now everything I do is to correct my old sinful ways. And I do this by not only fixing myself, but working to fix the world around me. I volunteer my time to make this a better, cleaner place. One that the bridegroom will see and say, boy, you are a hard-working person. You really have saved all of this. I'm going to have all kinds of rewards for you. Constantly I'm working on my friends and my own family to get them fixed up for the return of this bridegroom. I tell them how wrong they are and how they need to correct their views. So maybe, just maybe, they too will be cleaned up enough for the bridegroom's return. I'm getting them straight, but boy, does that take a lot of time. But they'll come around. What's more, I'm constantly working to get myself ready because I know he must be coming soon. He must be. I mean, after all, haven't you seen the news? Wars in Israel, wars all around. Now, I don't know exactly every end times prophecy and whether or not it's being fulfilled. I just do know that things are shaping up and it seems to me that we do have a little bit more time before everything finally blows up. There is one thing I do know, that those, files, uh, that those foolish virgins don't seem nearly as concerned about this world falling apart as I do. I mean, as we five virgins do. If all of us don't get to work, our whole culture is falling apart. It is up to us, and if we don't fix the culture, how could the bridegroom ever look upon us with love and pride? You see, we must be proud, proud of our work, proud of our accomplishments. We're going to make him proud. Those five foolish virgins, they're just so lazy. I mean, look at them. They're even asleep as I write. How can they sleep at a time like this with all the work they have to do to clean themselves up for the bridegroom, with all the work they have to do to fix this world? What will happen to them in the future when the bridegroom returns? I ask them these questions, and they say to me things like this, but we are ready. He told us he was coming back, 
And we trust him. He said he was coming because he loves us. They say he's proven it. And he's promised it in so many ways. They say they think he's the kind of bridegroom who would die for them. Who said that even if he did die for them, it wouldn't stop him from coming back to take them as his own. They say he doesn't hold our sins against us anymore. He's told us, he told us that he prepared us and that he prepared a place for us. So why are we trying to repair a place for him? We trust him to be true to his word. We trust him so we're ready. Those foolish virgins trust as if faith alone is enough. I mean, they just show up here with oil in their lamps like he actually could show up. Like their trust is in him is putting us wise virgins to shame. But don't they know there's so much to do before he returns? Sheesh, they talk about only listening and trusting his word. But I'll listen and trust once I'm done with all the work I have to do. Once I'm done getting my life and everyone else's lives in order. I've got work to do before I can go out and buy oil for my lamp. Wait. Well, that's all for today, journal. I just heard a loud trumpet blast outside, the kind of trumpet blast that would go when the bridegroom returns. But that can't be. He can't be back already. I'm hardly prepared. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, prepare us for the return of your Son. Help us to trust his promises that he has prepared a place for us. And Lord, help us to live in anticipation and trust, knowing that you will come to take us to be your own. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Time we invite